and a warm welcome to Tuesday's programme to Your Good Self. How are you? I bet you're warm if you're in the UK. It's been another lovely day here. It's a summer solstice. I bet you're tired of, tired even of hearing that. June 21st, the longest day of the year and all of that. 17 hours of daylight and all of that jazz. You're tired of hearing about it. You didn't need me to tell you again, did you? Welcome to the programme. I've got some brilliant guests lined up for you today. Comment live via the website richieallen.co.uk Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, Mad Mix has got another song out, produced by the great Martin Noakes. Remember a few months ago, Mad Mix got to number one on the Amazon chart with Killer Killer COVID, remember? was brilliant great crack but also very informative he's an activist as is martin my great friend from london they'll be on the program this hour to talk about their brand new track and we'll talk about more besides a little bit later on dr eric t carlstrom returns to the program after an absence of some time it's been ages since eric was on the program emeritus professor of geography at california state university i would say eric is one of the world's leading researchers on something called global organised gang stalking. We'll catch up with Eric in the second hour. That is a Tuesday's programme. Produced, edited, introduced by myself, Richie Allen. That's the one. Lovely to have aircon, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is lovely. I don't even remember the days when we didn't have it in studio. Well, the drama this morning on UK television in particular, the strikes, the strikes, the strikes... The railway strikes. There's been nothing else today. If you switch on your television, doesn't matter which news channel, it's been wall-to-wall coverage of the strikes. The RMT union and its members striking and not driving very many trains. There's been a few trains, but not many. Oh, the drama. The UK's most well-known television news presenters rushed from the cosiness of their air-conditioned studios. They rushed to the smelly train stations of the nation's biggest cities to report that, well, they were empty, really. Empty. One massive production brought to you by the BBC, Sky and ITV. Brought to to you, I should say, in conjunction with, or cooperation with, uh, the BBC, Sky and ITV. Look, the train stations are empty. Look! Look over there at those trains, how silent they are. Normally now those trains would be full and there would be conductors outside making sure that the the passageways are all clear before giving the signal to the driver to drive on. All of this crack was going on. Massive disruption, we are being told, could go on for months. Chaos, chaos, chaos. And then they would take a breath and say, and the petrol and diesel has gone up. It's reached record prices for a litre. Motorists can't afford it. And they can't get the train. And the NHS is collapsing. And people are missing medical appointments. It's the worst crisis since the 1970s. This is what we were hearing this morning. Brought to you on television, radio, Twitter, TikTok and Instagram. And he had the sight of reporters and presenters rushing breathlessly up to any poor fecker who happened to wander into the eerily quiet 
train station to grab the poor bollocks and stick them on the telly. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I don't know. There was two guys in Piccadilly with rucksacks. The funniest thing ever on the BBC this morning. I couldn't download the clip for you, but it's hilarious. Two guys. Two guys wandered into Piccadilly in Manchester. Two Egypts now. They must have never read a newspaper. They must have never listened to a news programme in their lives. Two dickheads just walked in. They wanted to go to Leeds or somewhere in Yorkshire. What's, what's going on here? Strain, train station is empty. Almost post-apocalyptic. Two plonkers. Um, yeah, that's what's been going on. Do you support the strikers, do you? Have a listen to Sky News at 7 o'clock this morning. The ginger ninja K. Burley was thrilled as she opened up her show. One K. Good morning, everybody. It is 7 o'clock. You are very welcome to join us on The Breakfast Show here on Sky News, live from Waterloo Station this morning, whether it's trains, planes or automobiles. Millions of us have had to change our plans this week. Millions of us. <laughs> due to the biggest rail strike in a generation that started this morning. There's also flight cancellations and backage backlogs at airports and petrol prices at a record high, pricing some people out of their cars, all making travel very hard indeed. Fear, 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 anger, anger, agitation, agitation, agitate, agitate the watching public. It was actually going on on the other side on BBC News 24, BBC Breakfast and Good Morning Britain, the same thing, riling people up, be angry, be angry, be frustrated, but be very worried. It might go on for ages and you can't afford to drive your car. If that wasn't enough. If that wasn't enough. There's the impending threat of other public sector strikes. Yes, the doctors might go out and the NHS workers might go out. They might all go out in support of the RMT union workers. As I said, we're here at Waterloo Station which is a ghost town today with the war of words continuing. So what are you doing there then? Why did you go there? Where's the journalistic um, payoff in you going there, you mad ginger cow? You lunatic. What? Yes, I did call her a cow. What are you doing there? Couldn't you report from the warmth or the cool of your studio and just say, look, uh, they're striking this morning. We'll speak to the transport secretary shops. We'll talk to some of the union people. As you can see from our photographs or from our video cameras or whatever, it's a bit quiet. No, they have to go there. They're selling you something, you see. This is a big sell going on today. Between the government and the rail union. She goes on then to say who she's got on. We've got this guy on, that guy on, this woman on. This went on for 60 seconds to a minute and a half. And then, this is at a minute past, two minutes past seven, it throws to other reporters who are stationed elsewhere in empty train stations and also in airports. Fear, 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 fear. Live at Cardiff Station here in Wales. Where He's in Cardiff Station. Nothing going on there. More than a thousand train services are cancelled today. Most of the country completely cut off. You know, the current cost of living, we know that you need to get paid. But at the same time, don't hold the public's ransom. If they feel they need to strike, that's their business. And I support them. A warning of a knock-on effect on the roads with increased traffic. We're going to keep you updated from the National Traffic Operations Centre here in Birmingham. Fear, 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 fear. The roads are terrible. The roads are absolutely chock-a-block with people in their cars because they couldn't get on a train. Let's go to the airport and find out from a reporter. This is at two minutes past seven. They're still opening the programme. So they go to a person in the airport who says, and holidays are being cancelled. Holidays are being cancelled by EasyJet. They cancelled 1,200 holidays just this morning. 
bags of trouble at the airports too, with one in ten flights cancelled here at Heathrow yesterday. Fear, fear, fear. Heathrow, Heathrow, no flights, you can't go on holiday. This is designed, this is a production designed to agitate people. I'm making it sound very simplistic. An academic person, better better trained to explain this more forensically than I am doing it now would do it better than me, no doubt about that. This is one massive operation to instill fear, anxiety, frustration and anger in the population. This isn't news. This isn't news. This is bullshit presented. And exactly the same thing was going on on the other news channels and on the radio this morning. Wait till you hear what Burley says when she when it throws to her to begin the programme properly. Listen. So sorry about what's happening today. Good morning. Well- Holy mother of Jesus Christ. What the fuck is that? I'm so sorry about what is happening today. You're a journalist, presumably. What does that even mean? So sorry about what's happening today. Good morning. Welcome to Waterloo Station as the biggest rail strike in a generation gets underway. Yeah, Waterloo Station where there's no fucker there except for the occasional employee wandering around, striker, and the occasional numpty, numpty who hasn't been following the news, who has turned up expecting to be able to travel. Then Burley interviews the General Secretary of the RMT Union, Mick Lynch. This is car crash writ large. It won't... This, I would... When I was teaching radio production and teaching radio presenting, I would take the interview you are about to hear, or a segment of it anyway, uh, and use it as an example of of, of how not to conduct yourself on television or radio. How not to conduct yourself. Car crash. The government has said it will attempt to pass legislation allowing it to replace striking transport workers with agency staff. Okay? In other words, the government has said we will pass legislation to allow us to get a team of scabs, okay, to pass pickets to take the jobs of workers who are striking over various grievances. Burley wanted to know from Mick Lynch, what the RMT would do about it. Listen to this for Car Crash Radio. The government is saying that they are going to... Television, excuse me. The government is saying that they are going to bring in agency workers. My question to you is, I'm guessing that your some of your members will still stay on the picket lines. What will they do if agency workers try to cross those picket lines? Well, we will picket them. What do you think we'll do? We run a picket line and we'll ask them not to go to work. Do you not know how a picket line works? What they do anyway? I very much know how a picket line works. I'm much older than I look. Uh, Very shrill, Burley. Very hysterical always. Look, uh, Mr Lynch, uh, what will will picketing involve? Well, you can see what picketing involves. I can't believe this line of questioning. Picketing is standing outside the workplace to try and encourage people who want to go to work not to go to work. It couldn't be any simpler. He's standing outside a train station. Behind him, in full view of the viewers, are his members, his members, picketing, standing there with signs, you know, signs declaring what it is they are doing, striking, so that the general public can see that there's 
a, a strike action underway. What else do you think it involves? And what if they want... Well, I just wondered what else it might involve, because I very well remember uh, the picket well, lines where, of the 1980s, where are you going with your... Mr Lynch. I'm asking you which what your members you would about? do, Mr which, Lynch. Which picket lines are you talking uh, the about? Minor the minor strike. Minor strike. Yeah. What does it look like, the minor strike? <laughs> What no, are it you doesn't, Mr. Lynch, and I'm just asking, I'm just to clarify. She's gone off into I'm the world of the surreal. Uh, no, Mr. Lynch, and I'm about? sorry if you feel the need to ridicule me, but... No, he hasn't ridiculed you. He's called out your ridiculous line of questioning. He's declared it to be surreal. What are you talking about, woman? As you can see behind me, there are men and women standing there. They should be at work today. But they are striking because we voted to strike because um, of grievances they have with their employer around pay and conditions and around job retention. It's a strike, love. What, what, what don't you understand? But I'm just asking you what you expect your members no, to your do. Your questions if are, agency are workers... merging into the nonsense. I'm we asking pick you. It as effectively no, as we can. And what does that involve? <laughs> Look, there it is. <laughs> he's turning around and he's pointing at the strike again. There it is. It's right there. Look. That's what it involves. So you won't stop you won't stop agency workers crossing the picket line. We will try to stop agency workers crossing the picket line by asking them not to go to work. What is it you're suggesting we will and if do? They... I'm just asking you. I'm trying to clarify. For the benefit of the British public, Clar who are being stopped from travelling what? around the country. Bur Burley is one of the sleaziest presenters that's ever opened a microphone on British television. She's obviously trying to work around to suggesting that the the striking workers might physically present, uh, prevent or attempt to physically prevent agency workers turning up and doing their jobs for them. And rather than come out and ask it, and stop being an idiot and being so shrill, shrieking at him and being hysterical. Just come out and ask the question. It's basic journalism 101. Mr Lynch, if the government manages to pass legislation that gives it the power to try and replace your striking workers with agency staff, will your members make any physical attempt to stop them? How far would you go, Mr Lynch? And if he says, oh, you're stirring up, you say, no, it's a legitimate question. I'm asking you. Party's crazy. Country, Mr. Lynch. I'm just trying to clarify exactly what, what your members you're trying to clarify? Ask politely. I'm, I, thank you for. Uh, I'm, I'm replying to you want politely. To answer the question. What we will. Okay, Mr. What Lynch. We, I'm, just ludicrous stuff, isn't it? There were similar. To be fair to Party, there were similar ridiculous exchanges on the BBC and on ITV through Good Morning Britain with Alan Partridge himself, Richard Madeley. Crazy stuff this morning. Very easily done. You don't have to be rude to people. Shout at them and be hysterical. Will your members physically try to stop anybody getting in if the government says, here are agency workers? Now, I'm, I'm not in charge of any union, but I'm a trade unionist. My answer to that would be, yes, of course, we'll attempt, we'll physically attempt to stop them getting in. And what I mean by that is, we'll attempt to barricade the entrances to the stations. What we won't do is punch anybody or assault anybody, but we will try and protect our jobs and, um, you know, the integrity of the strike by forming human barricades if you send in scabs, agency workers, to do our jobs when we're striking over what we believe are legitimate grievances. Striking legally, using the law, as is our right under the law, I would say. Mad stuff. 
You know, a lot of this is about job retention and automation. Network Rail wants to replace pretty much all of its staff eventually. Ticket office workers, they want them gone. All train staff eventually, they're looking for voluntary redundancies. And they're saying that, you know, they'll, they'll get voluntary redundancies and they will redeploy the other staff. They won't redeploy them because there won't be anything for them to do. Nothing. And I've been saying this to people, you know, for years, people who've never been a member of a trade union, who don't understand it. And particularly now, people are getting pissed off today because they've been impeded somehow, because they couldn't get from A to B because of the train strike. I'm saying, what will happen to you when your job uh, is um, under threat of automation? You know, the oft-mentioned future missus is a brilliant um, accountant. She's a fantastic, I'm not just saying it because she's my missus, she's fantastic at what she does. She handles major accounts and moves money for some of the biggest corporations on planet Earth. In five years' time, she'll be extinct. There won't be a job for her because the mega corporations that... She moves money around for, and the parent company she works for are looking to automate that. There will not be any human accountants in five, let's say, ten years' time. What will they do? It is really they they came for the rail workers to put robots and computers in, in their place, and we didn't do anything. Then they came for the city workers in the financial services industry and they replaced hundreds of thousands of those people with computer programs and artificial intelligence stuff and we did nothing and then they replaced me and my job with a computer but nobody was left to to support my right to retain my job that's what's going on it's as simple as that i know probably half or more of the listeners this evening won't agree with it but there you are, tough shit, Paddy. 18 minutes past the hour. Over on Talk Radio, Julia Hartley Brewer had Labour's Clive Lewis on. Clive Lewis from the Labour Party. And um, she challenged him to explain how the government and not the unions were responsible for today's chaos. Have a listen. How on earth could it be the government's fault where they didn't they didn't force RMT to call, hold a ballot? They didn't force RMT to uh, to actually, as, as has been pointed out by a number of guests this morning, to hold a ballot on wh- whether to strike or not before pay talks had actually even properly begun. That, it's but, the RMT <clears throat> picking the fight, isn't it? Uh, let's, let's just go back one step, if that's all right, Julia. That eight, that 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 sixteen billion you mentioned mm. is our money. You're quite right has gone to the, the, the train operating companies to keep them afloat during the pandemic, which I think was the right thing to do. But when you consider that since 1996, those rail operating companies have sucked out around about £9 billion to shareholders, not reinvested it, to shareholders, £9 billion to shareholders, then you begin to understand where some of that £16 billion, or a large chunk of that £16 billion has gone. It certainly hasn't gone to the workers who've risked their lives during the pandemic to, uh, to be able to keep those rail lines open. They weren't so risking the their thing. lives. I mean, millions of well, people were at work. They weren't risking well, their lives. What about, the, the, what rail, about the, the, ra- the trains were empty. What, I caught a couple of trains. What, what, Literally, it was like walking walking through a you know, completely empty station. It was like a ghost town. Ghost town. Nobody risked their lives during the COVID scam. Nobody, because people's lives weren't at risk during COVID because COVID was a mild respiratory illness that wasn't really any worse than a cold for the great majority of people. So this is bullshit. Got to see it from both sides here, right? You know, um, 
nobody risked their lives to work during the pandemic. That's got nothing to do with why people should support the workers in their right to strike to take um, industrial action today. Uh, let's hear a bit more of that. What about the what about the RMT member that was spat on and lost her life? This is bullshit now. And well done to Hartley Brewer for figuring this out very quickly. Nobody lost their lives because they were spat at and then contracted COVID as a result of it. Uh, um, that, COVID. So, 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 Clive, so people, Clive, it so was shown people, later that it had so, nothing whatsoever so people, to do with being spat so on. People, that was nothing so to do people, with the reason why okay. this lady died. So, the story was thoroughly debunked in the end by pretty much all of the press, despite their, I'm assuming, their desire to push that story. It suited them, but they had to admit in the end it was nonsense. Nobody died because they were spat on. So let's let's just be really clear here. When back when that uh, when that pandemic first started, there was a period where we didn't know what it was, and many of us were sat in our homes, very scared. We didn't want to go out. I remember people not coming anywhere near each other, walking past each other, going around each other on the pavement. Idiots. Those rail workers were expected to go out and run like those millions, services and come into accounts. Like millions and, and, of and, other people who work in Amazon dispatches and to do ah, Deliveroo. Millions of people. I don't listen. I'm not. I didn't yeah, get you on yeah, to have a conversation okay, about okay, what happened two right, years but ago. But they should be paid for that. They should be paid they for that risk and that. they should be respected for that risk. Yeah, and they but, should be paid properly, not to have to accept well, okay, pay cuts. But anyway, what is, so what RMT, is paid RMT have had a RMT. Well, it means not having to accept a pay cut okay. by inflation that's being driven by excess profits. Okay, that's, inflation, that's a, that's right, a very, very simple. Clive, premise. inflation is not being driven by excess profits. How is it being driven then? Inflation is being driven right now by the fuel crisis, the cost of energy. That is the main, main reason. Plus, they also we have these lockdown policies which Labour MPs like you supported. And turning, to, turns out, turning off the world's and the UK's economy, then switching back on again, might actually have some do some damage to the economy. But look, we're looking at up to 11% inflation uh, by the end of the year. Um, are you saying that, I mean, the reality is anybody who gets a below 11% inflation uh, pay rise is going to be out of pocket. They're going to have a pay cut. Are you saying that everybody in the public sector and the private sector should get a more than 11% pay rise? People should get a pay rise that allows them to live with dignity, whether they're in a trade union or not. I Answer would say to your, to your views... I, uh, she goes around and around and around and around the bushes and doesn't get a straight answer from Clive Lewis from the Labour Party. This is the Richie Allen Show, 22 and a half minutes past the hour. Martin Noakes and uh, Mad Mix. Mick will be with me shortly. A bit later on, Dr. Eric T. Carlstrom. Your comments, please, through the website richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live. You know the COVID thing is starting to come back, if you noticed that. I don't do fear. I know it might sound hypocritical after what I said at the top of the programme. I don't do fear. I'm reporting on what they're saying. Um, you know what's keeping the COVID scam going? You know when the government took away free testing, free lateral flow testing? Remember at the time this happened, a couple of months back, when they said, right, no more free tests. And we said, you and me, right, this is a start. This isn't, you know, this is good. Because it's the testing and the unreliable testing, the tests themselves being unreliable, you know, not being trustworthy in terms of giving a, you know, a a result that you could um, that you could think is credible, right? So we said when the free testing ends and people have to pay for the tests, the it it might go away this for a while anyway. 
this COVID nonsense. Remember the daily reports on the news about how many cases were found yesterday. Well, it hasn't really gone away because the Office for National Statistics is basically now running the COVID scam. It, every week, is sending tests to people, randomly sending tests to people and asking them, will they take a test and return the result? And based on that sampling, that sampling model, the ONS is saying today that COVID cases are on the rise in the UK. This is absolute bullshit. It's bollocks. It's very crass of me to put it like that, but that's how it is. Um, Definitely going to be talking about this throughout the rest of this week. Um, What else is there to tell you about today? Some interesting stuff in the paper about Elon Musk and his daughter applying to legally change her name as she wants nothing more to do with her father. But um, he had a son. He never had a daughter. Apparently his son is uh, trying to change gender, is transitioning from male uh, to female. That's uh, getting a bit of traction today. The actor Ben Stiller has been in Ukraine to meet the uh, Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. That's because he is an ambassador for the United Nations Refugee Agency. Bit of talk about that as well. Some interesting photographs of Stiller embracing uh, Zelensky there. Um, Prince Andrew might lose his title as uh, the Duke of York. He might lose that title if a bill uh, passes. York Central Labour MP Rachel Maskell said there was currently no mechanism to deprive a peer of their title. However, her bill, she says, will address this because people in York want to sever uh, their ties or the city's ties with Prince Andrew in any case. That's interesting as well. It's uh, coming up for 26 minutes past the hour. Let's have, let's have a tune then. Shall we have a tune? Let's have a tune. Uh, produced by Martin Noakes, the great Martin Noakes, and uh, presented, not presented by, but sung by Mad Mix. Have a listen to this. We'll be talking about it when we come back on the other side of it. Back in three minutes. Hello, good day and welcome. My name is Michael Manuel Chaves and this is my new song. Monkeypox pandemic. Monkeypox, they're taking the mic. Monkeypox pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkeypox scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are wrapping it up. Well, it didn't take long, did it, guys? There's us all waiting, wondering who's the first celebrity to come down with a monkeypox. To come down with a monkeypox. To come down with a monkeypox. And then we see it live. Bang! Yeah, I guess you guys have all seen him now. Jeremy Vine getting so excited about the monkeypox. Jumping around like a chimpanzee. You have to worry about these, then you? I mean, they've been waiting for the next pandemic, the next week to jump on. Because no one gives a fuck about COVID anymore. Monkeypox pandemic. Monkeypox, they're taking the mic. Monkeypox pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkeypox scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are stitching us up. I wanted to talk to you quickly about the, the monkeypox. You can now catch monkeypox from eating uncooked food. What's a load of stuff? They've added that to the website. That was never there. Never there. Never there. Never if you there. like your steak medium rare, forget that. With the blood still oozing out, forget that. Forget that. That's going to give you the monkeypox. You're going to die. It's all guys. It's propaganda to try and scare the masses. Everything now has to be well done. 
Monkeypox Plandemic Mad Mix. Welcome back to the programme. Mick and Martin Oaks who produced the track. Great to have you back on. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Well, thanks. Thanks for having us back on. Good to have you on. Great stuff. Really enjoyed it. And um, it gets me, we spoke back in January. We should mention Mad, Mad COVID. I think that was the title of the track at the time. It did incredibly well for you. Got to talk about that for a moment. Number one in the Amazon download charts. Is that right? Back in January. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, Killer Killer COVID. It was number one killer, for killer five COVID. days on the Amazon chart. And um, and it entered the national chart at number 26. That's right. Before they deleted it completely from existence. That's right, yeah. I mean, that's some achievement, getting it to number 26 in the national uh, chart. So so, yeah, so well yeah. done. This um, this track is was inspired by some of the silly, you could say outlandish claims made about monkeypox in the media. Is that right, Mick? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Um, both both Martin and I was watching the the mainstream media for a little while, and all the different things they were saying about the the monkeypox. And then how often they kept flipping sides. Like the first thing they were telling us was that um, it started in I don't know if I can say this. It started in a a gay orgy, <laughs> but then at the same time they were then after they were telling us that under twelve year olds were at risk of dying from it. Yeah. And it was, everything they were saying was contradicting themselves within a couple of days. And that's what inspired the song, the the massive amount of contradictions. And then, of course, they changed the um, National Health website about how you can catch it and transmit it. And they said, you can catch it in your food, you can catch it from your pets, all this ridiculous stuff. So that's what inspired us to make this song. And th- the thing about it is anybody with you know, a remote inclination to go and look for themselves could find out that monkeypox has been around for ages and that it's pretty harmless. It's, it, to put it mildly, it's a pretty harmless condition, right? Yeah. They, um, f- first of all, they says, oh, well, it'll be uncomfortable for a couple of weeks. You'll have, you'll have a rash for a couple of weeks and then you'll get over it on your, on your own without 
you know, without any treatment, without any medication, it, you'll just get over it after two to four weeks. And then, so that goes out on the mainstream, on the BBC. And then within a few days, they're saying that it's life-threatening. You're like, hold on a minute, you... And it took me right back a couple of years to the COVID and the same kind of rubbish they were saying about the COVID. So we're like, no, we can't let this pass. We've got to jump on this, you know. And the thing with this song, the main difference with this song is that it's a comedy song. The video's funny. The song is funny. And it's it's aimed at the normal people to show <laughs> normal people, you know, the, the Jabberwockies, as I like to call them. It's aimed at them to show them how ridiculous their mainstream media is and how their mainstream media manipulate the truth whenever they get an option. Do you think, um, Martin, you come in any time you want. Do you... I, I, I don't get why there isn't more of an outcry about this type of nonsense. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be accused of naivety. I'm not. I'm throwing it out there for conversation's sake. How can it be that so many people... I mean, I've actually heard people on, on my street talking about monkeypox, talking about it in urgent terms, like, you know, oh, do you hear about this monkeypox thing? <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, how can you fall for that? How can you not question what you're being told in light of what's happened in the last two and a half years. Martin. Well, don't, don't you think they've, um, they've petrified a huge number of the population to the point where they're, they're in a constant state of fear and they just accept anything they're told? Yeah, but, uh, but, but I also hold out some hope that those people will look around them and will ask themselves very basic questions like, do I know anybody who had COVID? Yeah, they were okay. Yeah, Do I know anybody who died from it? No. Not really. Did I have it myself? No. Uh, at least I don't think so. Maybe I had a bit of the flu. It's that, Martin, that kind of inability to to look at what's around you, not to take what you hear and what you read as gospel, you know. Just look around you. I know, but I think, unfortunately, I think the, the masses are, are like robots these days, really. Are we screwed then, Mick? I mean, and, and I, <laughs> like, no, seriously. I mean, if, if, if it is the case that, you know, we, so monkey, we'll talk more about monkeypox in a minute, but we're hearing about, I heard a report on Radio 5 Live this morning where farmers are claiming that they're struggling financially, struggling to, to make a living. And some farmers came on Radio 5 Live and said that they had to call a large... Um, you, you did large numbers of, um, of of chickens and turkeys and that the price of turkey is going to be very expensive this Christmas because of bird flu. I mean, is that coming? Bird flu scaremongering and vaccinations against oh, bird flu. Absolutely. You know, that, and, and that, the, the mainstream media's outlandish claims get worse and worse by the day. And this is, this is the frustrating thing. Um, it was only a little while ago that they were saying because farmers ain't making any money, they're, they're forcing them into early retirement and then literally just slaughtering all the animals, not for food, just like slaughtering them because they leave such a high carbon footprint. Yeah. And you're like, how ridiculous is this world that we're now living in that we can't eat the food, we'll just kill it so that, um, you know, because of global warming or whatever they want to call it. And the, and the whole thing with the mainstream media, like, like you said a second ago, People just not bothering to look into it. People, normal people, will not research it. And and the good thing about the last two years is we we've worked out who are them and who are us, you know. And um, we 
we we could recognise each other, you know. When, when there was the mask mandate, yeah, and we went to Asda, we could see people without a mask, and you would give them a nod and a wink because you knew that they were part of what what we're fighting against. But now, because a lot less people wear masks, we can't recognise each other. So what we've got going on down here in Kent, and we're trying to spread it nationally, is a white shield. We wear a white shield badge. And when you see someone else wearing a white shield badge, you know that they know that, that the government are corrupt and they know that they've been fighting the same fight that we've been fighting for the whole two years. So it's a little sign between us. It's a kind of um, a nod and a wink kind of thing that you can recognise someone else who has been fighting the same fight by the fact that they're just wearing a simple white shield badge, you know, and it with that way we're trying to increase our community, because like I say, we can't recognise each other that readily like we could when you saw people with masks. But let me just talk about masks quickly, right? I just said, um, I said to Martin just now, I thought there was a new mask mandate. I went shopping this morning and everyone in the shop was wearing a mask. And I'm like, is there a new mask mandate that I haven't seen? And we were discussing whether or not it was because of the COVID or because they're wearing masks because of monkeypox. But I'm like, why has everyone started wearing masks again? Am I missing something? Sadly, I have to echo that. I was at uh, Media City Salford, running through it actually, on Saturday or Sunday morning, I can't remember which one, and the Eccles tram, which uh, comes from Manchester, and uh, well, actually comes from Ashton, underline, I think, and, and then goes through Manchester, Media City, Salford, and then ends up in Eccles. Um, there were lots of people wearing masks. The weather was beautiful. We're in the summer. And these are young people now getting on this thing and they're wearing yeah. masks, yeah. You see, yeah, that's my point. The kids are still coming out of school wearing yeah. masks. I'm like, what is going on in the world? It feels like I'm, I've gone back a year. This is like 2021, you know, and, and people are still scared of the COVID and they're looking around. We're but never like, going to have the numbers, sure, are we? You know, the government have removed every single COVID mandate, even from the NHS. And you go into an NHS hospital and some of these jumped up little wannabes are telling you to put a mask on. Yeah, the hospitals are like, maintaining it. Stop. Yeah, Martin, The what? government have said we don't have to. We've got Mad Mix and Martin Noakes on the show. Go to madmixconspiracies.co.uk. Play the track at the uh, top of the uh, conversation. It's uh, monkeypox pandemic. You'll find out all you need to know about it at madmixconspiracies.co.uk, where you can download it, where you can get it. So get on there. It's a terrific track. It's very funny. Um, I'm, I'm, this is the last negative thing I'm going to say, Martin. We're never going to have the numbers, are we? We're not. We've got to come at this. I don't mean, when I say we've got to come at this a different way, I don't mean, um, that's not to criticise what you're doing. I think what you're doing is great. Keep doing it. But I'm saying that, you know, all the protest stuff, the uploading videos and interviews to bit shoot and all this nonsense, it's going to take something else entirely to stop this because, you know, we, we haven't touched on climate change where we have just a little bit. And and, and that's... Yeah. Go ahead, Martin. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely... Yeah, we, we do need uh, something. We need a miracle to happen. Actually, we need we need people to wake up. We need we need. We thought Mick and I thought that the the, the boosters were going to wake people up. You know, because you they're telling you now you need a booster every three months. Yes. So for the rest of your life. 
So surely that would tell people, A, it doesn't work, because they, they admit it, it doesn't stop you getting it or passing it on. Um, you would have thought that would wake, it probably has woken quite a few people. I do know a few people that haven't taken the booster shots. Um, but, you know, you would think that would have woken many people up. And they're, they're already talking about their autumn booster programme. And we mentioned the fact that people are wearing masks now. Mick, you said quite rightly that this is in spite of the fact that the government removed all these mandates a couple of months ago. But the sinking feeling is this stuff is all coming back again in the autumn. I, it was pointed out to me by a listener last night and I looked into it and the listener was bang on the money. In Germany, they're looking at mandating masks from October every year until the following Easter. Gee, that's crazy. I didn't know that. That's the first I've heard of that. But you can see, like what you were saying about there not being enough of us. I think what's happened with, with the COVID is th there's, there's a huge number of people that have seen the light. I, I think that there's probably 30 million people in the UK that aren't getting their boosters. Right? So there was only 6 million of us that didn't get the first jab, supposedly. But I think now we're up to the boosters. The country's pretty much divided in half by those who are jabbed and those who aren't. Why do you believe now, that? Where, where are you getting those? Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, having a pop at you. I mean, did you read something that suggests that 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 maybe half of the people have not had a third jab? Where did you get that from? Uh, yeah, yeah. At one time, it was uh, twenty twenty four million people hadn't had the first jab, but but taking into account that those figures were when they hadn't started injecting the under 12-year-olds. So a huge a huge bulk of those, that 24 million that hadn't received the jab, were in, in fact children who, who couldn't receive the jab. But since then, um, the government have released that the uptake on the booster is not going the way they, they planned it to go. And in our local area down in Kent, the vaccine centres are shutting down, which is like absolutely fantastic. We spent two years trying to get them to shut down. So now they're actually shutting on their own. And it's a lot harder for people who even want the booster. Um, I know someone who went on holiday a little while ago needed the booster to go on holiday and couldn't find anywhere to actually get the booster and ended up driving miles. So... The, the uptake on the boosters is not what the government were hoping for, but they have got their hardcore of COVIDians. And, and we are divided now between them and us. And they will walk into their smart cities with their digital currency and their digital ID and everything. They will walk into their smart cities willingly. But there's a lot of us that will not walk into those cities willingly, you know, and we will go fight kicking and screaming. And there will be communities living outside of those smart cities, living on our own, living rurally, you know, growing our own food, coming completely out of their system. And I think that's the way the future is going to be for a lot of people who have spent the last two years fighting against this. You I, know, hope, been um, I hope you're right, Mick, I hope you're right. I mean, the agenda is to get people off the land, to get people away from the coasts and into super smart cities, whether they'll tolerate communities Living outside of that is another thing. But, I mean, if it happens, I, you, you know, I, I, I'm with you. On, on this, Martin, I think Mick might very well be right about the uptake of the boosters. However, again, not being negative, I have to do this. I have to ask these questions. What about we get to the winter and they say there's a variant and they say hospitals are filling up again and they say that those who don't take their boosters 
are basically excluded from society. You don't get to participate. You don't get to do the things you want to do. That's going to change a lot of minds in terms of those people who have turned down the booster, isn't it, Martin? Yeah, I think it, I think I think it will. Um, because people are people do do what they're told. The vast yeah. majority of people do what they're told, and um, yeah, but wear a mask. They're told to wear a mask, and they wear a mask. You know, none of us around here have worn a mask at all. We know loads of people who have never ever worn a mask, um, but most people do when they're told to. And, and that's what I'm looking ahead to. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking ahead to this winter. And do you know, a part of me thinks that they might give the nation a winter off. A part of me thinks that might be, you know, in 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 their, I don't know, in their in their game plan. And then I think maybe they won't. They they won't take the chance that they are going to go full scale ahead with this again this winter. And I'm wondering what what will happen. You know, how people will 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 react to that. Um, madmixconspiracies.co.uk we're talking about um, Monkeypox Plandemic, terrific new track from Madmix produced by Martin Noakes go to the website to find out more about it watch the video, download it and try and help push it up the charts it's out this Friday Mick, is that right? Yeah, yeah we're releasing it this Friday, it's actually, um, it's actually our third single together that me and Martin have worked on um, between when we last spoke to you we had a song out called Matt the Cock and it was censored so badly that people who, who wanted to download it, they went on Amazon, they went on Spotify, they, they were unable to download it, and the song died a death. So we're a bit apprehensive if, if they're going to do the same with this one. After the success of Killer Killer COVID, and then the complete censorship of Matt the Cock, this one, we don't, we, we're like, how's it going to go? Will it go like Matt the Cock, or will it go like Killer COVID? So we honestly... We're, we're kind of sat on the fence. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen. So Friday's going to be quite a big day for us. We're very excited about it. And, 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 and well, you should be. The, the censorship is shocking. You know, um, I, it, we see it everywhere, don't we? Uh, the, the censorship, pe- people getting booted off of Facebook, off of, off of um, Twitter, people losing, you know, PayPal accounts and stuff, people who are trying to monetize their content and what not. Uh, Martin Oaks and, and uh, Mad Mix Mick are on the programme to talk about uh, their new single. It's out on Friday. Let's hope it isn't censored. And uh, it does really well, I have no doubt, if it isn't censored, that it will do well. We're talking about looking ahead to what's coming down the track, what's coming down the line uh, this year and, and, and later on. Um, what, uh, what, what, somebody is saying to me, actually, that it's because it's summer you know, this, this kind of lack of uptake of the booster jabs or this kind of decline in the, in the numbers of people taking it up might be down to the fact that it's the summer and once we get into the winter months against the winter months again, that those who have declined it might be inclined to want to take it. I, I don't know about that. Martin, what do you think? Um, it's possible, but I think there's a fair number of people who actually are... Um, disillusioned by the fact that they're going to have to take it every three months and they, yeah. they think what's the point it doesn't stop me getting it, it doesn't stop me transmitting it apparently it's supposed to stop you being hospitalized but i mean that that doesn't bear uh, true when you look at the amount of people that are in hospital now who have been jabbed up do you know what that, that very good point martin i'll tell you something else Mick. you talk about people's cognitive dissonance we talked quite a bit on this program once once the party gate thing happened we kind of were amused and bemused and depressed at the fact that 
people wanted to lambast the government for not obeying the rules while the people themselves obeyed the rules. I heard a thousand people on national television and radio complaining, saying, we didn't see our granddad, he died in a care home, we did the right thing, but the government didn't. They couldn't make the leap, Mick, they couldn't make the leap to understanding that the reason they were partying in Downing Street and elsewhere was because they knew that COVID was nothing to worry about. People couldn't make that leap. You know, that's the scary thing. But Isn't it? What, what we've been talking about in the conspiracy world for, for many years is um, the ruling elite, they let us know what they're doing before they do it. And they, they, they tell us when they're taking the mick out of us. And Partygate was exactly that, exactly like you said. They were saying the reason we were partying, not wearing masks, was because we knew there was no pandemic. And we are showing you idiots that we know there's no pandemic and you have to follow the rules. But like you said, people didn't see that. What they saw is, oh, they're breaking the rules. Yeah. No, they're not breaking the rules. If there was a pandemic, they'd all have been dead of COVID. They'd have been terrified. But they wasn't. That's right. They would have been petrified. Nobody would have had those garden parties if there was a genuine threat from uh, from COVID-19. There's no doubt about that. Let me read a couple of comments, lots of positive comments for you both on the website. Comment live. It's richieallen.co.uk. Craig says, sadly, as history teaches us, tyrannical authoritarian systems do not permit parallel societies. Such things represent too much of a potential threat to the rigid hierarchical systems. I'd love to be proven wrong, however, he says. I'd like to be proven wrong as well. I've had people on this programme talking about setting up these parallel societies. People like Rachel Elnaw. In fact, I'm going to be speaking to a woman on the programme later in the week who's um, involved in prepping and, you know, community building and all of that. I hope it happens as well. Chris says the World Economic Forum has stated that there will be dissidents living outside their system. I didn't know that. Is that right? The I don't know if you have heard this. I haven't heard this. But in the documentation, Chris reckons they've uh, made provision for people living outside the systems. I wonder. I mean, I'm happy to live outside their systems. They can live how they want, as long as it doesn't uh, impact on how I want to live. Go ahead. Absolutely. Now, the thing with that is, yes, I've heard that as well. And we've been speaking about that quite a lot within our within our local communities. The problem with living outside the system is, we believe that to access your your money or your what will be your social credit, you will need to be microchipped and you will not be able to access the Internet without said chip. So we believe that the communities that are living outside of their smart cities will be completely off the radar. Like they won't have access to cash money. They won't have access to the Internet. And it will be like some kind of bizarre rural farming kind of what we would have called some sort of hippie community many years ago and like like you said they have allowed for that and they know there will be such communities around around the country the amish you know what we need to do we we need to found we need to found i'm not saying this for a giggle we need to found an amish community here in the uk (laughs) Um, that's exactly it because they said oh um Religious freedom. COVID in your community. They said, oh, simple, we don't have televisions. Martin, That's exactly what those people have no COVID. If you don't have television. And if you don't test, there's no COVID if you don't test. Martin Oaks and Mad Mix um, are uh, my guests today. Martin, will you hear this? I've had an email from 
Jan, who says her real name isn't Jan, right? She says, Richie, you mentioned Ashton Underline earlier. I did. It's a, it's a town in Greater Manchester. She said, you won't believe it, Richie. She said, I have a child who goes to Mossley Hollands High School. And we've learned recently, it's a, apparently this is in the Mail Online today, and it's true. The head teacher at Mossley Hollands High School, Andrea Din, has announced a strict no-contact rule for students. Students are prohibited from hugging, from high-fiving each other or shaking hands. This is to encourage mutual respect and also, apparently, to reduce the spread of bugs like flus and, and COVID. So this is... Play fighting is banned. Sitting on crowded benches is banned. No touching whatsoever under any circumstances. And this will mean that people are respected, that people won't be touched who don't want to be touched. Holy Jesus, Mary. And then it'll also help with um, the reduction of spread of transmission. This is madness. And, and this is happening. Martin, can you believe it? Martin, you've had children, have children, yeah. recently been yeah. to school. Imagine the head teacher says they cannot touch under any circumstances. They can't brush up against or touch one of their fellow students. This is clown world, Martin, isn't it? Well, well, you'll, you'll remember when, when we were doing the People's Voice back in 2013, you'll remember that I sent you a letter from my school, actually, yeah. when we were a primary school, and they changed the rules when the children came out, so they had to line up in the, in the playground instead of playing like they always did before, and um, they would be released. Do you remember me sending you that? I'll never forget it. I've still got a copy of the letter. We will release your children to you. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, Sloan, my, my wife Sloan and I and one other parent were the only two sets of parents in the whole school who didn't follow that rule. Yeah, to your credit. Absolutely right. Imagine that, Mick. Mossley Hollands High School in Ashton Underline. Where does this woman, Andrea Din, think she gets the authority to tell children no play fighting, no holding a place for your friends in the lunch queue? I'm reading this out now from Jan. No sitting on crowded benches. No shaking hands. No hugs. No high fives. Who the fuck are these people? Can, can you imagine when um, when you turn up at the school to pick up your child and then they say, oh, no, they've got a detention. They won't be coming out for 45 minutes because they were um, wrestling in the playground or they were shaking hands. I mean, these... These stupid walls will need punishments to enforce, I'm guessing. Yeah. So how ridiculous are these punishments going to be for shaking hands? You know, like a £100 fine for not wearing a mask. It's, we're living in clown world, exactly like you said. It's, it's complete madness. And if I was a parent turning up at that school, me and the headmistress would be having words. One of the students has been on Facebook saying, I'm a student at this school. I was in a lesson and I hurt one of my fingers. My friend sat next to me and had to ask the teacher for, for permission to give me a hug. A part of me, I'm looking at the calendar at the bottom right hand of my computer screen. It's not the 1st of April and it's not before 12 noon. This is genuine stuff like. Oh my God. I, I, I'd like to believe it's not enforceable, you know, and I'd like to believe that the children would take matters into their own hands, but again, trying not to get themselves in trouble. But if this spreads from that school to other schools, then we, we've got what would be considered a serious pandemic of madness, madness, complete madness going on in our schools. 
John, the person who sent me an email, has mentioned they've done it for germ to to to, to avoid the spread of viruses as well. But there isn't any mention of that in the Daily Mail story. So I don't know if, if that's true, if Jan is right. it's It seems to be more about don't um, touch somebody, you know, don't uh, invade somebody's personal space and, and all of this nonsense. Um, Mad well, Mix, go ahead, Martin, go ahead. I think actually that is part of their big plan here. They They want us to not be in contact with each other physically. They want us literally to be separate entities all the time. That's what they want. Good friend. That's what social distancing was about. Yeah, a good friend of mine is telling me that, you know, people like David Icke, when, when they mention archons and, you know, entities, that there's something else working through people. That, you know, right-minded human beings, even if they're scared by government propaganda on COVID, you know, a genuine person wouldn't try to impose this on children. So when people like David Icke and others say there's something else going on, I'm a bit on the fence, I don't know. I'm open-minded to it. That's why I discuss it on the show. Martin, what do you think? Yeah, I think he's right. I think he's right, actually. There's something else going on. Uh, it's all about um, separating us all, dividing us all, um, you know, making us not not one, if you like, dividing us into into our separate pieces. That's, that's yeah. what they're doing, and it's, um, it's, it's definitely wrong. We saw the torture of our kids in schools during the COVID, you know, like the putting the desks two metres apart from each other, wearing masks in the classroom. It, it petrified our children. And it, it, these kind of rules, our children now have been indoctrinated by these kind of craziness that when they grow up, how, how warped is their mind going to be? You know, when we think of our childhood, you know, me and Martin are of similar age. When we think of our childhood, out playing in the streets, kicking balls around, you know. Yeah. What kind of childhood have these kids had for the last two years? We played and kiss chase just... in school. I went, I went to an old, uh, to a boys and girls school. I've got to say, we played kiss chase in school, and then I had to clarify that <laughs> I went to a co-ed school. Both primary and secondary was boys and girls. I was very lucky, like that. We rolled around in the mud, Mick, like you said. We Booted, booted each other up in the air. We swung out of trees. We fell. We grazed elbows. You know, we ate crap. You Effectively, know. what that school's saying, what that headmistress is saying is that there'll be no more rugby and there'll be no more rugby training in this school. It's madness. You know, that's effectively what she's saying. She's banned the game of rugby completely. So, it, you know, these walls are so laughable, but... But it's, it's a form of torture on our children and it has been for the last two years. And we're seeing the and results of it now. We're seeing the results of it. There's been a number of articles in the Times newspaper and the Telegraph talking about the declining or the deteriorating mental health in children as a result of lockdowns. Look, we're just about out of time. I'm going to play out with the track again. I wouldn't normally do that, but I'm doing it for you because it's great. And uh, oh, I, hope pe- I hope people do go and find it on Friday and download it if it's not banned. Madmixconspiracies.co.uk we, We've been chatting with Martin Oaks, who produced it, an old pal of mine from London, and a good guy, and another good guy, Mad Mix, uh, Mick himself. I'll let you um, introduce it, guys, if you like, and uh, we'll talk again, and I wish you all the very best later on in the week. Thank you. Guys, this is the radio edit of Monkeypox My Bleep Bleeps. The radio edit is called Monkeypox Plandemic. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, good day and welcome 
My name is Michael Manuel Chaves, and this is my new song. Monkeypox pandemic. Monkeypox, they're taking the mic. Monkeypox pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkeypox scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are wrapping it up. Well, it didn't take long, did it, guys? There's us all waiting, wondering who's the first celebrity to come down with a monkeypox. To come down with a monkeypox. To come down with a monkeypox. And then we see it live. Bang! Yeah, I guess you guys have all seen him now. Jeremy Vine getting so excited about the monkeypox. Jumping around like a chimpanzee. You have to worry about these, didn't you? I mean, they've been waiting for the next pandemic, the next week to jump on. Because no one gives a fuck about COVID anymore. Monkeypox pandemic. Monkeypox, they're taking the mic. Monkeypox pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkeypox scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are stitching us up. I wanted to talk to you quickly about the, the monkeypox. You can now catch monkeypox from eating uncooked food. What a load of girls. They've added that to the website. That was never there. Never there. If you like your steak medium rare, forget that. With the blood still oozing out, forget that. Forget that. That's gonna give you the monkey pot, you're gonna die. It's all guys. It's propaganda to try and scare the masses. Everything now has to be well done. Well done. Monkey pot pandemic. Monkey pot said taking the mic. Monkey pot pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkey pot scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are messing us up. Now they're telling us you can catch monkeypox off your pets. The question you've got to be asking yourself is where the f did your pets get monkeypox? Did they go to Africa? The mainstream media are now saying that maybe our pets need to be murdered to stop the spread of the monkeypox. You can shove the monkeypox right up your soul. You can't catch monkeypox off your pets in the same way they told us it's nearly impossible to catch it off another human unless you're bisexual. They've blatantly lied about COVID. They're blatantly lying about monkeypox pandemic. Monkeypox, they're taking the mic. Monkeypox pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkeypox scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkeypox pandemic. These punks are making it up. The monkeypox. They're taking the mic, the monkey box. You have to wonder. Monkey box pandemic. Monkey box, they're taking the mic. Monkey box pandemic. Billy Gates predicted this. Monkey box scandemic. It's time that people gave us stuff. Monkey box pandemic. Mad Mix and Monkey Pox Plandemic, produced by Martin Noakes. The time is three minutes, just about three minutes past the air on a scorching, beautiful late afternoon, early evening here in Salford. Thanks to the guys again. Go to madmixconspiracies.co.uk. I've put on the air con. I don't know. With, with energy bills rising exponentially if it's the right thing to do. But uh, I normally turn it on about an hour before I go on air. And then maybe around about the top of the hour, you know, because it's uh, scorchingly warm. Lots of equipment in the studio, you see. Computers. How many have I got here? One, two, 
three, four. <laughs> There's four computers kicking out heat. There are sound cards. There is a broadcast console. And then there's all the hot air that comes out of my mouth. That's right. Shut up. That's right. That's right. That's right. Bono is right. Said The Edge once. It's um, the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Morons are surrounded by morons. Says Tune. That's a tune from the lads there from Mix. Uh, Wayne says, I think doctors threatening strike action after all that's taken place over the last two years is abominable, he says. I heard GPs are complaining about being asked to work more hours and do more face-to-face appointments, he says. He's right. They are, Wayne. Something else which crossed my desk this morning, because I do read the Telegraph newspaper every day. An NHS doctor is claiming that by doing Zoom appointments or doing you know, appointments via mobile phone or smartphone. Um, This is aiding in the fight against climate change. It's helping to fight climate change. Yes, dear listener, you have heard today from a doctor, and there will be more, there will be more like him, who will come out and say that the more appointments we can do with patients on camera, on screen, and the less people come into the surgery, the better it'll be for the planet. It's get it's going Pete Tong at the moment. Today was one of those mad days. I feel very discombobulated today. I do, a little bit. The, the saving grace for me today was coming on to chat with you, but I was all over the place, being bombarded by RMT strikes and and traffic building up, and that's bad for the climate, and and now the doctor, everybody else might go on strike, and all this fear, fear, fear stuff, which I I know is nonsense, but it does get you, you know, listening to it, and and I suppose the thing that really gets you is watching everybody else's reaction to it, reacting exactly the way that the establishment, if you want to call it that, wants them to react. Let's welcome back to the programme. He's not been on the show for a long time. Uh, an emeritus professor of geography at California State University. I reckon it's fair to say that he's one of the world's leading researchers on global organised gang stalking. He uh, speaks publicly on these matters on radio stations and television stations around the world. I recommend that you check out the website gangstalkingmindcontrolcults.com. It's a mouthful. But it's important, gangstalkingmindcontrolcults.com, where you'll find some very interesting information on this subject and others. Let's welcome back to the programme, Dr. Eric T. Carr. So, Eric, it's been a long time. How are you? Yes, it has. It's great to hear your voice, Richie. I'm doing okay. Um, hope you're doing okay there on the other side of the pond. I'm doing really uh, we well. Are- <laughs> I'm doing well. I could have mentioned, of course, that you are a singer-songwriter too. I could have mentioned that. Um, maybe more on that a bit later on. Maybe another time. We're going to have to get through a lot now between now and five minutes to the top of the hour. Here's the first question for you. Do you feel vindicated when the BBC reports on so-called Havana Syndrome? Do you feel vindicated when we learn from 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 national media in Australia that directed energy weapons were used against anti-lockdown protesters there. Because over the years, people have said, ah, sure, Eric Carson is a madman. None of this is going on. He's a crazy guy. And then all of a sudden, it's in the mainstream media. How did you feel about that? 
Well, that is how it works, isn't it, Richie? Is deny, deny, deny. And then, uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was that way all along. Uh, yeah, this is an enormous topic. And, uh, you know, my research suggests that uh, targeted individuals have been illegally and illicitly uh, tortured and targeted for many, many decades, certainly going back to the 1950s. And, uh, you know, it's it's part of the non-consensual human experimentation program that our governments have carried out in secret. Um, long story short, uh, we have enormous counterterrorism capabilities in our countries, which uh, authoritarian governments tend to turn on critics of the right. government rather than on terrorists because, in fact, the governments are the terrorists. Our 9-11, of course, is done by by our own interagency, federal uh, uh, agency. I, you can trace it back to the Kennedy assassination. Certainly all of these mass shootings are related. Uh, this, what, it, what, it, what they are, it's become quite uh, clear, is uh, this kind of abusive uh, uh, mind control, which is done on a sustained level for long periods of time, is designed to break the personality down so that the person can be programmed to kill, such as in the Uvalde shootings or in the, you know, Las Vegas shootings, you name the shooting. I mean, all of these are government operations uh, in order used to terrorize and subdue and subject uh, the population. This has all become quite clear to me anyway, with the 2000 posts I have on my gangstalkingmindcontrolcults.com website. Uh, finding out more and more all the time. Yes, it's run out of Department of Homeland Security and the FBI in particular, but actually it's run out at the ground level by our local sheriffs and police uh, who have all of this militarized high-tech equipment. And the idea is to target, track, 24-7 surveillance, and hit with and use as non-consensual experimentees for directed energy weapons, for neuro weapons, for bio weapons, for chemical weapons, for all kinds of things. Here's a question, so Eric. We, here's a question, right? So, yeah. so people will be listening to this and they will say, uh, Homeland Security, local sheriffs, the FBI. You you might be talking about thousands of people who might have knowledge that the equipment exists, the technology, and that it is being used. Now, I'm not challenging this, I, I accept largely, 99%, um, that this does exist and it is being used. Look, they've admitted it with the Havana stuff and, and in Australia and even in Canada. So it's out there. How can so many, potentially thousands of people, be involved in it and not a single person come out and say, you know, hey, listen, in the interests of patriotism, this is what's going on. We are doing this to the American people. Where are the whistleblowers? Phenomenal. Good question, uh, Richie. Yeah, I mean, how can so many people be involved and yet nobody knows about it? Well, <laughs> there is a code of silence, you know, in the mafia, the code of omerta or something like that. I think that there's a lot of masons uh, in police and this is uh, police departments. And this has come out in some excellent videos recently. Uh, a lot of this stuff is satanic ritual abuse. And this is indeed a core element of the mind control programs that go back uh, certainly to MK Ultra, back to the Nazis with Joseph Mengele, 
Um, we're dealing with a way to traumatize trauma-based mind control uh, uh, people to split their personalities so that they can be controlled to become Manchurian candidate assassins or sex slaves or whatever. Now this can be done remotely and electronically with no touch torture. Um, and uh, yes, certainly I, I don't feel that it's important to be vindicated myself, but I do feel it's very important to shut these programs down. They break about just about every law <laughs> that's on the national books and international treaties like the Nuremberg Code, the Gen Geneva Convention and the UN Convention on Torture, uh, breaks about 40 federal U.S. laws and umpteen state laws. And, you know, targeted individuals have been, you know, committing suicide for long periods of time because that's the goal of the program is to make the person's life completely deconstructed and hopeless to the point where the individual will commit suicide. Well, if you're a Catholic, and I think maybe, I don't know if you are, Richie, you're from Ireland. I mean, that's the unforgivable unfor sin that sends you to hell, right? So this is a very evil program. And I don't particularly care if I'm vindicated or not. My goal is to shut this program down. And in that regard, I would like to just make a quick announcement for uh, a group called ICATOR, which is out of uh, England, and uh, International Class Action Lawsuit Against Neurotorture. We're dealing with neurotorture, no-touch torture. It's been going on since the 50s. It's gotten worse and worse as the technology has gotten better and better. And this class action lawsuit is at least a way uh, for people to uh, push back and try to get some teeth to the laws that protect So this is, um, this is a lawsuit in the UK. Now, we don't have class action law in the United Kingdom. So you're, you're, telling, uh, you're telling me that, that there is a group of people here who are going to try and take this to court. But who would they be suing exactly? Well, I believe they're kind of doing a process with their lawyers, and that's that's a question for them. Right. But there have been a number of lawsuits that have been successful, uh, but have settled out of court over the decades. And I'm just drawing attention to this one because the person who's the, uh, involved in this had asked me to. Um, it's, this is an enormous issue because anybody can be targeted, put on these terrorism watch lists secretly without due process. Uh, and then they can they're like, have their lives unraveled. Uh, in fact, it is growing business. And they're targeting many, many important uh, whistleblowers, like uh, certainly Assange and, and Edward Snowden and certainly Susie Dawson and many other activists who, you know, it's easier to, for a government to put them on the list and take them out than it is to address the, the issues that they raise. And they prefer to do that. But these, this technique can also be used and is being used against politicians around the world uh, to make sure they uh, stay in line with whatever cabal in power wants them to do. And uh, so we, our whole system is now compromised uh, by these secret technologies. Let me ask you a question. Who owns your brainwaves? Uh, Richie, do you own them? Is it part of your anatomy or is it signals intelligence and data that can be mined by the National Security Agency? Because it is. And uh, never so thought of it. That's, that's a really interesting question. It's never occurred to me who owns my my brainwaves. But but being asked it, I, of course, the, the, the answer that springs to mind is, well, they're mine. Anything generated <laughs> by by my body. Any electrical impulses? Well, if they're not mine, they sure as hell don't belong to anybody else. Well, that's right. We have a, we have this this uh, 
tremendous knowledge gap and technology gap where the, the elite science and our spy agencies have these technologies that are so far ahead of what the public perception is that they can go ahead and there's no laws regulating their use. So if we look at the long term here, we see that back in 1955, Dr. Norbert Wiener, uh, MIT mathematician, uh, invented a machine called the autocorrelator through which he could send and receive uh, EEG electroencephalogram uh, or electroencephalograph patterns to the human brain, just like a radio, and he could decode these patterns and uh, uh, determine, you know, what emotion they correspond to, what thought, perhaps what word. Well, we've gone light years ahead of, of the situation since then. He did it on 12 channels to his own brain, and then it spit out a, a, a computer. And this was uh, 70 years ago. So you reckon yep. if, if he could do that 70 years ago, the technology might exist today to actually read somebody's mind word for word. So if I'm thinking here, I'm not saying out loud, but I'm thinking, right, I'm enjoying this conversation now with Eric Carter. I must remember to ask him this. Right? I don't say it out loud, but somebody could read that word for word, basically. We think that might be possible now. Oh, yes. Yeah, he did it on 12 channels, you know, but, uh, you know, now you can buy gear, gear from Amazon.com that will do this sort of thing where you can give instructions to your computer by thinking. And, uh, of course, uh, Elon Musk has his Neuralink uh, implants. Yeah. Well, these targeted individuals have been implanted uh, non-consensually and covertly for years. Now tell me this. Well, tell me this. You're brilliant. I, could, I, I should have you on for five hours, but I only do a two-hour show. So forgive the interjections, but I've got to ask this because now we're into the transhumanism. I've been reading your website. Always um, interesting, always uh, easy to navigate, and the articles are very good. Very thought-provoking, I would say. No pun intended. Now, tell me this. You believe that the mind control, the gang stalking and the mind control technology, you believe that it's linked to transhumanism, that it is, it is, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It is, um, oh God, uh, what do we say when, when grooming us, it's almost grooming us to accept, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the merging of the flesh of the body with uh, technology and ultimately you know, um, kind of hybrid humans. That's what you believe. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm not the first to say this. I mean, uh, many, many targeted individuals have been quite brilliant, like Dr. Ronnie Kilda of uh, Finland, who wrote a book, uh, Bright Light on Black Shadows. Um, and many others have, and she was a top medical officer in Northern Finland, so she understood how mind control works. And uh, yeah, this you you create you can create a bio robot slave with these technologies, and as she puts it, this this now is like the second fall of man. Now we have technology by which a few people can uh, become predators and control remotely uh, everybody else. So now you've divided society into an elite group of technological predators who can control everybody else, who then become their victims and their prey. And I would suggest that, yes, anybody can be targeted and anybody can be remotely influenced. And over time, their their mind and their uh, behavior can be modified to the point that they become uh, transhuman bio-robot slaves, which is, in fact, it was Norbert Wiener who wrote the book in 1948 uh, called Cybernetics, which is the merger of humans and machine. And uh, and this was the 
subject of the Macy conferences, which are top secret, highly secret uh, back in the 40s and 50s. And this became the basis of the CIA's MK Ultra Mind Control Program, which was top secret. We're spending a billion dollars a year on this. And this became really the, the, the fulcrum of the Cold War because the Soviets had their version. There was competition between the U.S. and the Soviets in these areas of uh, mind control, psychotronics, whatever you want to call it. And Eric, uh, Eric, stay there, the, stay there. Very, very good, very good. So the Soviets were at it. What about the Chinese and, and uh, y you know, the French, the Israelis, the Brits? I mean, are, are they all at this? Are they, have they got their laboratories buried? I don't know. I don't mean to be silly when I say this. 50 metres underground where they're all at this. Is there a competition going on between nations? That's, I think, absolutely correct. Um, I think the Chinese, the Russians, certainly the British, um, certainly the Israelis, and, and probably uh, quite a few other countries are quite up to speed on this. And uh, they regard it as a the new Cold War to to, you know, who controls the mind controls the, the, the person. And this is the it's called neocortical warfare, as in the neocortex being the frontal lobes of the human brain, which is unique to humans. And this is what our military has been uh, striving for. I've got position papers from Rand Corporation back in 1994 on this is the acme of skill in the in the uh, revolution in military affairs. We're going to go after the brain. And if we go, if we capture the brain, then we don't have to kill them. We'll just control them. <laughs> and that way they won't uh, pose any problem. And so I imagine, I imagine, I, sorry, sorry, Eric, I imagine at the time they were saying, oh, this is good now. We can control the brains of enemy soldiers and we don't have to murder people. It all sounds very benevolent and it's good and all of that. I wonder, was anybody thinking at the time? You know, well, this could have terribly negative implications for humanity. And how long before somebody decides that it's a good idea to use it on the domestic population? I mean, that, 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 that would have occurred to me back then if I was hearing those things, you know. Well, again, um, again, going back to this Cold War, what I read, uh, Richie, is that uh, Stalin, who was supposed to be the worst person in world history, you highly opposed to this. And uh, the U.S. did not, therefore, start its MK Ultra program until he died in 1953, which was the year that the MK Ultra program of the CIA got going. And I've also heard and read from Cheryl Welsh's work in California, brilliant researcher and targeted individual and lawyer now, um, that uh, uh, the Soviets have been pushing and, and trying to get this outlawed. Putin himself outlawed this in Russia in 2002, and in the 1980s, a guy named Lopatin uh, did everything he could to try to get international treaties against this, because this is, now you're playing with the human identity and soul. You could say you're, you're, you're destroying human souls. Well said. And it's highly evil. Um, you know, I'm still walking and talking because I'm a very stubborn guy. I, and I'm pretty strong. But since 2013, I've been, uh, you know, uh, the target of these kinds of malicious attacks uh, on the street with street theater, etc., cetera, uh, contract stalking, as they call it, and electronic attacks um, as well, periodically, uh, which can knock you to the ground and did knock me off my, I couldn't walk for two weeks, very much like the symptoms of the Havana syndrome in my case. And it happened about the same time, 2016, that I was really hit hard. 
uh, electronically, but they can do much more than that. They can, these are neural weapons they're testing on us. Uh, they're testing it on the entire population. Many, many people are being hit with these things. They have no idea what's happening to them, which is one of the reasons I'm so uh, kind of dedicated to this website, because I think uh, education is the knowledge is the best defense against this. We're up against extremely high technologies. We're up against a multi-trillion dollar system run through the NSA, CIA, FBI, and their partners, MI6, G GCHQ, Mossad, uh, Unit 8200. Uh, they're all partners with NATO and, uh, and NSA Global Spy Network. So they've, they've got us all in their crosshairs, and they can take anybody down they want if they get on this, this uh, death list or, or terrorism watch list or one of the other lists, the main core list. Um, so what, we're, we've moved into a extremely dangerous police state situation where any critic of the government or anybody else can be uh, remotely destroyed, have their lives destroyed. And again, the goal is to get the person, it's a self-harm program. The goal is to get the person to commit suicide. Now, I would say that's the very definition of evil. And I would say this is a very satanic program. I wonder how many and people over the years were arrested, charged and convicted of killing somebody. It might be a man who murdered his wife, heaven help her. And he told people from the beginning that Satan told him to do it or the devil told me to do it. We used to read about these stories. My my family used to have these magazines. My mother used to read these true crime magazines. And, you know, there'd be stories out of the United States and, you know, out of other parts of the world. And a recurring theme was in some of these, you know, strange murders, was, was a guy saying, uh, I heard voices. I wonder, were some of those guys the victims of what, you know, the technology you've been describing? Oh, I, I think there's very little doubt, uh, Richie. Um, the voice to skull, V2K, voice of God, microwave hearing, synthetic telepathy. There's many names for it. Remote neural monitoring, remote neural manipulation. Yes, they can insert voices into your brain, into your head, and uh, they can sound like your voice, in which case it just sounds like, like a suggestion, or it can sound like a, someone else's voice. And yes, certainly they could say, I'm, I'm Satan, I want you to kill your mother. Or they could say, I'm God, I want, to, I want you to kill your mother, whatever. And I'm certain that many, many of these horrific crimes that we read about are caused by this dynamic because these people were thrown into the program as, as guinea pig test cases. And, uh, and in fact, if we go back to the whole uh, topic of uh, Manchurian channeling, whereby people like Eileen Cady uh, was channeling the voice of God for a whole series of New Age books back in the 60s. And it just happened that her first husband was in British intelligence, and then her second husband was in American intelligence. And then we get Helen Shookman, who channeled the uh, Course in Miracles back in the 70s. And uh, who was channeling? Well, it said it was Jesus, she said. It said it was Jesus. Well, of course, it's not Jesus. Uh, you know, it's some other voice, but these these people are dictating uh, voices, and they could be the voices of, uh, you know, some intelligence agent at his computer station uh, or her computer station, simply dictating into the brain of this person. This is a very frightening technology, and it's been around for a long time. 
And uh, now it's, it's a weapon of the greatest magnitude. And I think it is all the more important for people to understand this because basically people like Yuval Noah Harari of the World Economic Forum are bragging, look at, you know, people are hackable animals. Yes. Well, we TIs, we TIs have been the guinea pigs. We, we've been hacked. Why would he say that, Eric? Uh, Dr. Eric T. Karstrom is our guest. Please check out Gangstalking Mind Control Cults.com. Why would this second in command to Klaus Schwab, this guy Harari, why would he say that? Because, look, uh, I, I have to be the devil's advocate. So I always look for alternative meanings, or maybe he was joking just to set off a bit of a moral panic. But he wasn't joking, I don't think. I don't think there are any alternative meanings. He was being straight up hacking the human body, hacking people. Why would they be so blatant about it? Have you considered that? Well, you know, I've read a lot about these subjects. And I, you know, from a point of view, a spiritual point of view, I think that the the dark side, if you will, Satan's uh, minions, uh, there's a rule. They have to kind of tell you what they're going to do before they do it. And if you, you sit back and let them do it, then they figure it's your fault. So I figure he's he's just, uh, you know, laying it all out, kind of just, you know, rubbing it in our face. And uh, they figure that if we don't push back and stop them, they have every right to go ahead and turn us into their bio-robot slaves, which I believe is exactly what Bill Gates' 060606 patent uh, does, which calls for hooking up cryptocurrencies to our body activities, which are remotely monitored so that they can see what our heart and our other organs are doing. Again, using these kinds of technologies, they can monitor our brain and our emotions and our thoughts. And so now we see the practical usage yes. of what we targeted individuals have been going through. Yes. They want to implement a bio-robot slavery system in the world because, hey, slavery is very profitable. And for your right? own, it's very good <laughs> you saying this, for your own good they've been talking even pre-scamdemic they've been they were talking for several years about implantables or nanotechnology that could be placed in the body to deliver uh, medicine periodically or to to go and perform a procedure on you you've seen these things under an electron microscope these little devices these tools that could you know eat away at a tumor or something so they sell it like that and of course when they sell it like that eric who could argue with it brilliant brilliant of course benevolent it's a benevolent thing but of course it isn't benevolent it means they've they've got you they're inside your body and can administer uh, treatment to you without your consent or without your knowledge anytime they want well yeah exactly this kind of power technological remote technological power is in their hands and in that sense you, you know Yuval Noah Harari is telling us the truth this is what they can do and he, uh, I believe that uh, we're in a very desperate situation as, as humans uh, because specifically of the recent work of two very brilliant Spanish scientists, one named Dr. Pablo Campra, who looked at, on his own dime, in his own time, because his university did not support it, uh, he looked at the contents of a number of the different vaccines, quote unquote, uh, COVID vaccines and started to look at the blood samples of the vaxxed. And then his work, and he found all kinds of 
uh, strange things in there, including graphene oxide or graphene hydroxide and uh, many, many other uh, funny looking uh, crystals with nanostructure, uh, weird Morgellons-like elements, possible microbiota in the COVID vaccines. And he's, he's got all these pictures on his websites, and I've, I've spent a, quite a bit of time looking at these. And uh, the graphene has been verified and confirmed in the vaccines by uh, other researchers. And this fellow, Mick Anderson, who uh, uh, is, this is a pseudonym, another PhD uh, expert in this field in Spain, uh, has gone so far as to review the literature and find out that, and then compare the literature with the photos, the pictures that have been taken at the nano level, we're talking, you know, 10 to the minus ninth meters, uh, we're talking, you know, 10 to the minus 10th is the size of an atom. So we're talking about extremely small things, which in fact, uh, self-assemble, nanotechnology self-assembles in the bodies of the vaxxed, creating an intracorporeal or intrabody nano network, which can then send and receive signals throughout the body and to a remote location on, you know, a supercomputer. Exactly. This is why I say we TIs, we targeted individuals. We're the guinea pigs for the system, which is now, I think, being rolled out. And again, all of this kind of comes together to make a, a coherent picture of a program that has been in the works for, you know, close for years. To can, I, can, years. I, can I say a couple of things there? I sure, sure. I know that when you're speaking to me that you you you're speaking from a position of integrity that when you make a claim I know it's because you believe it to be true. It doesn't matter to me whether it's true or not. All that matters to me is that my guest is honest and are are calling it as they see it and I've always felt that about you on the graphene. I'm very interested in this because the home of graphene is Manchester, which is only a mile away from where I'm situated at the moment. It was up to basically the all the research on, on graphene, the discovery of it, or, or the rediscovery of it, um, took place in Manchester about 20 years ago, 18 or 19 years ago. So it's a big deal for Manchester University. They say it's the thinnest two-dimensional material in the world. And they say the, the, um, it's a game-changer. Uh, in terms of what what can be achieved with it industrially, incredibly strong, uh, it's incredibly conductive. It's an amazing thing. That's what they're saying now. I haven't seen any definitive evidence that graphene has been put into the vaccines. I'm not saying it hasn't, but I haven't seen any definitive evidence. And I'll tell you something else, Eric. While I believe you to be honest, and you're an academic man, we've spoken for years. We spoke about climate change and, and, and other things. The independent media is beset on all sides by bullshitters and people who put information in the public domain that isn't true and it's done to discredit other more reliable information. Again, I'm not saying that I don't believe they put graphene in the vaccines because I don't know that. But I have yet to see what I would believe to be definitive proof and I don't even know if it's possible um, for me to see definitive proof. What do you think of what I just said there? Well, you know, I, I of course we're again we're dealing at the extreme nanoscale, and the uh, the scientific establishment is totally backing the quote unquote vaccines. So the institutional scientists are not studying this. But I've got several posts on my website. One is 
Mick Anderson on nanobody network and vaccines, interview with Richard D. Hall in English and Spanish. Another one is intracorporeal nano network summary and video by Mick Anderson. People can look at it and listen to it and uh, check out the evidence. Another one is vaccine contents, graphene intrabody nano network from Mick Anderson's website, corona2inspectblogspot.com. Another one is uh, um, vaccinated people emitting MAC addresses, what's causing this problem. Supposedly, according to Mick Anderson, this, uh, this Bluetooth phenomena where people are giving off MAC addresses uh, <laughs> that can be picked up with a Bluetooth device uh, is, is due to the graphene. Uh, which has magnetic uh, properties, it's superconductor, really. And another one is so they c these are all on my website, but I got them off the internet. So they can read you loud and clear and tell you what to think and do. In parentheses, vaccination may replace your natural neuronal neuronal, which is the neurons in your brains network with an artificial one hooked up to COVID Central, which would probably be this Pentagon cloud or the Microsoft cloud. So uh, let's see if I've got any more on this topic. No, I've got about those five or six posts on this, as well as one or two by uh, Pablo Campra. And I've been going over this. And the reason why I tend to give this a lot of credibility is because it fits in with all this other data that we've been discussing, which is that, you know, that ever since 1948 and Dr. Norbert Wiener talked about the merging of humans and machines with cybernetics, and ever since the TI phenomenon really got going in the 50s under CIA MKUltra, remote uh, targeting with electronics, um, and then you look at Bill Gates' patent, and then you look at what uh, Yuval Noah Harari is saying about hackable humans being hackable animals without souls. Um, uh, these things, and then if you look at, yeah, I mean, all of these things line up to me to a picture of, a, of an elite class that wants to enslave a large portion of humanity and hook them up to uh, the Pentagon cloud. Now, one more line of evidence that falls in here is one of my gurus is uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, who I greatly respect. Right when the COVID came out, she she did a number of fantastic interviews and uh, um, talked about uh, we're in World War III. This is the Mark of the Beast system. And she mentions that in August 2019, the Federal Reserve governors headed by Stanley Fisher, who was a top guy in the U.S. Federal Reserve and the uh, top bank in Israel said, okay, there's problems with the dollar as a U.S., as a world reserve currency. We better go direct, go direct from the uh, computer, uh, computers of the banks uh, to the bodies of the people, measure their body activity, and then allow them cryptocurrency, like credits on the company yeah. store, if, if they're behaving. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's coming. Hey, hey. That's here now. We've already got that. We 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 saw that late last year, where people around the world, Israel most notably, where uh, Israeli citizens were banned from doing things and were excluded from society if they didn't, uh, you know, roll up their sleeve and have their jabs. Uh, a recent New York mayor, uh, since deposed, I believe, said that people couldn't participate in society if they didn't have their jabs. There's no doubt about that. Can I just come back to the graphene just for a second? Because this is very interesting. Yes. Back yes. in January of this year, now the MHRA, for our listeners who don't know, 
is the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency. The MHRA regulates um, the the uh, release of medicines. It okays, it authorises medicines to be used in this country. It was sent a freedom of information request on whether there was graphene oxide in COVID-19 jabs. Uh, its response is bizarre. It got back to the person who asked for the information and said that companies must disclose all excipients as is detailed in the Human Medicines Regulations 2012. It basically didn't say yes or no. It said that companies must share the information, full disclosure, on the ingredients of the jabs. And then, amazingly, the MHRA, the drug regulator in this country, recommended to the, to the um, petitioner that they go and read an article on Reuters about whether vaccines contain graphene oxide or not. Now, I've never heard of that. If you go to a government agency and say, right, is there graphene in the jabs? The government agency should be able to say yes or no. It didn't. It said, well, companies have to tell us, but please read this article on Reuters about how COVID jabs do not contain graphene oxide. But that's just bizarre. That's crazy. That makes me suspicious. Why does the <laughs> regulator in this country not know? Why is it saying, well, go and read the Reuters article? I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it, when you think about it? It's beyond ridiculous. Yes, and of course, uh, again, our, our, uh, our friend Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, in her many interviews, well, what we're experiencing is a coup. And uh, part of it, of course, is a information war, misinformation war, uh, economic war, psychological war, neurological war, uh, you name it, biological war. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, deception is the is the first rule in in the art of war, according to Sun Tzu and and uh, all uh, military people. So yeah, we 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 are in a fake world. You know, we, we got a fake president. Uh, we got this fake uh, global warming, climate crisis. Uh, so much lies in terms of the vaccine, quote unquote. Uh, there is an agenda here. Unfortunately, it's a depopulation and enslavement agenda. And uh, I personally like people. Uh, I've traveled around the world. I've been lucky enough to climb mountains around the world. I've met third worlders all over the place. I like them. I would just as soon not see them depopulated. But I believe that our ruling elite would like to reduce the population per the, you know, the Georgia Guidestones down to around 500 million. Now we've got, hang on, we've got, hang on, we've got 10 minutes left. So the population reduction, you mentioned the Georgia Guidestones. This is the perfect time now in the 10 minutes we have left today, because we'll pick this up again soon with your permission uh, and maybe do a little bit longer. But so climate change, for me, the next big thing is not, okay, I think they will push the need to change our lifestyles because of viruses. No doubt about that. But I think the next big thing is climate change. Back in early 2020, I um, hypothesised that climate lockdowns would be a thing of the future. You know, that each one of us would have a carbon allowance, that we would have a CO2 emission allowance, every one of us as private citizens. And this would be tied into the social credit model and the digital currencies which you mentioned earlier on. So is that how you see it? Like climate change now is going to be rammed down our throats increasingly uh, in more fearful ways through the media. How do you see it, Eric? 
<laughs> well, again, we could talk about this for five hours. Uh, you know, my I was a physical geography professor starting in 1981 at Northern Arizona University. My father was a geologist with the U.S. Geological Survey. I think he started with them about 1951 when I was just a type. And uh, his whole career was spent looking at climate cycles. He was looking at glacial geomorphology and looking at climate records all over the world. I got very fascinated with that subject. And in my master's and PhD, son of a gun, I was doing the same thing. Um, and uh, although I consider him, you know, just almost a genius and myself very much subgenius, but uh, I am very, very well aware of the climate history of the Earth. I know it very well because that's what I taught in Earth science. And of course, this man-caused global warming uh, fraud scam is is perpetuated decade after decade after decade, despite being disproven by all of the evidence. Uh, because it serves a political agenda for the elite. Now, I have a website called naturalclimatechange.org, which disproves it on a scientific basis, talks about the uh, political ramifications and aspects of this. And yeah, I mean, these these are it's the Goebbels idea or Hitler idea that you tell a lie uh, big enough, often enough, and the people will believe it. Carbon dioxide, of course, is a miracle gas, the basis of photosynthesis, and we could use a double, triple, quadruple without any uh, deleterious effects. In fact, if we go too much lower than we have, then we will have a reduction in plant growth. The people that are doing this, like Yuval Noah Harari and uh, Klaus Schwab, hate life. They hate God. They hate Christ. They hate Christians. They want to get rid of all these things. And, uh, and so they tell these lies that will allow them to control energy use because ultimately, of course, our fossil fuels, coal, gas, and oil, which are certainly God's gift to us in terms of energy. And there's a one-to-one -one relationship between our energy use and our wealth as individuals. If we go to uh, Kyoto Protocol, you know, for 2050 or whatever, Paris Climate Accords, uh, if we, if we uh, do uh, away with our use of fossil fuels, we're going to have to bring the population down to about a billion, which is the pre-industrial levels. This is what they want. So uh, all of this nonsense about uh, got to get rid of coal, gas, and oil, and got to you got to measure your carbon footprint. This is total lies, lies upon lies upon lies. Of course, this gave me a lot to talk about when I was a professor. Got me in some hot water, but uh, you have to tell the truth, like you say. And uh, uh, yeah, this is a scam. It's a very useful political uh, uh, scam, and my career has certainly been affected by this lie. Um, and again, we could talk hours about this because it's 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 very much wrapped in my own personal story. No doubt um, about it. But, and but 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 that's it. just just before we do run out of time, that that central question. I think the very first time we ever spoke, we spoke about nothing but the the, the climate change lie. And um, we had a great hour. I agreed with everything you said, but I argued with you just just to do my job. I remember it was very good, and you had a great answer for every uh, counterpoint I made to you. This was several years ago. It, 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 am I right? Is this going to be the big thing? Is this it now? Is this their ace card, climate change? You know, I think you're you're right. It will be the next thing. You know, yeah. I mean, they have an objective. 
and a long-term plan. And I believe that it does have to do with depopulation and total control, total individual control, total population control. I believe they have co-opted our militaries and intelligence agencies through uh, bribery, money, and uh, inf infiltration and that sort of thing. So the powers on the other side, I believe that it is now the people against uh, the powers that be because the powers that be with their money have have conquered our institutions for, for a large part. Um, yes, it will be the next thing, but we have to look beyond the next thing to their ultimate goal, which is extremely anti-human. They want to move us to a post-carbon world. Well, this is a carbon biosphere that we live in, you know, this beautiful planet that is truly a gift from God to humans and the other approximately 30 million other species but we're all electrical beings and we all can be affected by these electromagnetic frequencies and so when they start to use these weapons they don't affect just humans they affect the biosphere plants and animals the so they can wipe yeah. us out they have the technology to wipe us out i believe that's what they want to do they will use anything they can including the climate change scam and the covid scam uh to get there right here's a quick question here's a quick question what why don't they do it then because if you're right th that, you know, it, at this stage it's fairly simple for them to wipe out large numbers of people. Why this slow, torturous death? Why not just do it in one fell swoop? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, of course, we're now on the brink of nuclear war as well. That would accomplish a, a pretty stunning fell swoop. Um I, you know, all of these things are orchestrated. All of these things are created by the the power elite uh, to control, uh, you know, the the course of events. And Noah Harari even says, "Hey, we're in control of evolution now, and we're going to a post-carbon world. We're gonna we're gonna do intelligent design, and we are the godlike intelligent designers. So um, we really now are in a position to identify." the people who would like to play God and enslave us. And I would suggest that these are the people that should be on trial and, and uh, uh, should be behind bars. Uh, certainly Klaus Schwab and, and uh, Bill Gates and Harari and whatnot, these, these are the enemies of God and man in my mind, and they're committing vast crimes against humanity. The targeting program is one, and now it seems to fit in perfectly with this even greater crime against humanity, which is the COVID uh, quote-unquote vaccine, which does seem to be a kill shot. And uh, if it installs this nano network, uh, intercorporal, intracorporal nano network, then they have reached their, you know, ultimate goal of being able to turn a human into a bio robot slave. And we may, I think we're in that uh, time frame uh, when this sort of thing is happening. That's why they want multiple shots to keep this stuff in the body and to build it up and to experiment and see what works. I believe God's going to help us if we resist, uh, because certainly this is, uh, uh, you know, this is the work of the enemy. This is not the God's work. Um, this God, is God helps Satan. those. God helps those who who help themselves. Eric's website is gangstalkingmindcontrolcults.com. Check it out. Next time we chat, we'll chat a bit more about the climate change nonsense. We'll talk a bit about the prepping. And I'm fascinated by your faith in God. I I neither have faith nor do I not have faith. I'm agnostic, me, Eric, but I'm very, very, very curious. And I'd like to get into that another time um, with you. But um, it's been fascinating again today. Uh, 
I suppose the for you the 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 journey goes on to try to raise awareness to try and bring this information to increasingly larger numbers of people to get them to consider it anyway and that's the challenge in this uh, era of censorship and and um you know p- people being kicked off of social media people being de uh, uh, not demonified but um yeah deplatformed on 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 PayPal and other things like that so it's uh it's um it's some time to be alive i suppose that's one positive thing we can take out of it it's some time to be alive watching uh, this happen Thanks for coming back today. I'll give you the final word. 30 seconds, Eric. Good to have you back today. And Godspeed to you and your efforts. Yeah, I really enjoy our conversations, Richie. Thank you so much. Uh, I think you're doing great work. Uh, uh, Yes, we need these uh, alternative media voices desperately. And I think we're at the point now where, you know, increasing numbers of people realize uh, that the official narrative is is, uh, consists of many, many uh, politically motivated lies and uh, now very, very dangerous lies. And I certainly hope and pray that humans have enough common sense and, and uh, survival uh, instinct uh, to not take the vaccine, not certainly not, don't give it to your kids, my gosh, don't destroy your children's lives. Uh, humans are precious. They are, I think, the apple of God's eye, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the crown of his creation. We've got the neocortex. We've got the creative abilities. Uh, the, the cabal that wants to uh, keep us down and take everything for themselves is very frightened of our creative and intellectual capabilities. Hence, I think these technologies, including the gang stalking, uh, neuro weaponry, uh, is to, it, it's all about control, individual control and population control. And our job is to survive and to help each other survive uh, and uh, prosper even through these very, very dark uh, times. And thank you so much, Richard. You're welcome, Eric. Until next time, bye for now. Dr. Eric T. Carstrom, the website, by the way, naturalclimatechange.org. Check that out as well. And gangstalkingmindcontrolcults.com. Uh, Eric T. Carstrom on Tuesdays. That's the one Richie Allen show. It's coming up for seven minutes to the top of the hour. Stephen says... Richie, Eric made a very minor mistake. The Icator or Icator court case, that's I-C-A-T-O-R, is Belgian. It's in Belgium. Belgium. Uh, although foreigners can participate, Icator does have a UK representative board member. He says, Eric's a great guest. Thanks for clearing that up, Stephen. And if people are trying to take people to court, I wish them all the best. But I remain sceptical about using the law to prosecute people for using this technology. I can't see how you would convince a judge or a jury or a judge on his or her lonesome that this is going on, number one, and that number two, it's happened to you. I Listen, it's not me being negative. It's me doing my job. I just can't see it. The courts, when it happens, I'll be prostrating myself by way of apologising and saying that I'm wrong but I don't see it. A number of you have uh, weighed in on the graphene thing. Thank you. I remain to be convinced that they've put graphene in the jabs or some of the jabs. I doubt they've put it in every in every brand. I mean, you've had several jabs, right? You've had Moderna, you've had Pfizer, you've had AstraZeneca. I don't know. Might be. I don't know. I haven't seen any proof of it. It's very difficult, isn't it? 
How could I see proof? Anyway, how could I see proof? How could somebody even show me proof? You know, here's an electron microscope, Richie. Excellent. That's graphene, is it? <laughs> you know, but I do get suspicious when you ask the regulator in this country, is there graphene in the vaccines? And the regulator can tell you nothing except, well, it would be a breach of the law if the manufacturers didn't include every single ingredient in the list. You know, because you send the medicine to be approved to the MHRA, you send it everything. You send all the trial data. You send it every bit of information, particularly what went into it, what's in there. You know, that's what you've got to do in order for them to, in theory, for them to review all of that data, to peer review it, and then to say, OK, we approved the medicine. But the MHRA said, well, they should tell us everything that's in the job. And then they told the, the petitioner, the person who wanted the information, go to Reuters and read an article that claims that the COVID jabs do not contain graphene. But I don't care what Reuters are saying. What are you saying? You're the effing regulator. Isn't it your job to know what's in the jabs and what isn't in the jabs? I mean, that's just basic common sense. If I've read that all wrong, I will find out and I will come back and I will correct myself, of course. That's crazy. <laughs> Pandora says, quite rightly, the MHRA should say, well, let's go and check. Let's have some vials of the jabs taken, of the vaccines, which aren't really vaccines, and have them looked at. Absolutely. But June Rain, who heads up the MHRA in this country, when she was asked by a Commons Select Committee, when she was asked, what does the regulator do, Ms Rain? She said, we facilitate access. I've got the clip. I can't play it today, but I've played it many, many, many times. I have the clip. She didn't say... We stick hot pokers up the arses of the big pharma companies to make sure that they're not putting bad drugs, you know, in front of us. We scrutinise them to the nth degree. No, she didn't. She said, our job is to facilitate access. We're just an assembly line for big pharma to put drugs into, into, into pharmacies. The time is three minutes or just under three minutes, just over three minutes to the top of the hour. Thank you, Mad Mix and Martin Noakes. Please go to madmixconspiracies.co.uk to buy the Monkeypox Plandemic single. It's out on Friday. Thanks again, lads. And thanks to Eric Carlstrom, Dr. Eric T. Carlstrom, gangstalking, mindcontrol, cults.com. That's been Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Chief Cook and Bottle Washer here, produced, edited and introduced by myself. I'll see you tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time. Until then, enjoy the rest of the sunshine on the longest day of the year. See you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye.